Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be now, Ezra was God's appointed leader. He was to minister to the people, and yet this is also a man that did not know what to do. (laughs) I really cash in on this. When I see God's men, the great mighty men of God, getting to a point where they have no idea what to do, I feel sorry for them, but I almost love it because that's me all the time. (laughs) I mean, do do you, have you ever been there? I don't know what to do. We pride ourselves in being so experienced and so awesome. I always know what to do. I got this. I got everything under control. Sometimes things get to where you just don't know what to do. How do you counter something as big as culture, the whole society, the people who just didn't want to hear it? Ezra did not sit down to try to formulate a plan. He, he, Ezra didn't run to his team of advisors and say, hey, let's figure something out. Ezra felt completely, totally outnumbered. He was totally outgunned. All the man could do was fall before his God and say, Father God, help me. I don't know what to do. And it's okay for you to do that. Don't feel like you're a failure if you have to get to that point. It's all right. All he could do at this point was throw himself down on the floor in a posture of begging and beg forgiveness. And not only did he beg forgiveness, but he also begged forgiveness on their behalf. Did you notice how Ezra did not say, they sinned? Did you, did you catch that? He didn't say, those people sinned. Those messed up people out there sinned. What did he say? He said, our iniquities. He said, our guilt. We have it in our culture today to look at that other party or that other group or that guy we don't like and say, them, they did it. They're the ones messing up. I'm the one that's right. We're all sinners, guys, every one of us, especially me. I want you to look at the biggest sinner in the whole room. Look at me. Never say them, they, those terrible people over there. He said our guilt, our iniquities. He didn't point at them and say, oh, God, go get those sinners and take them down. He said, God, we have all sinned. That is the attitude of a humble person. But Ezra said he felt totally humiliated. And typically when people feel humiliated, you know what they usually do? When people feel ridiculed and humiliated, their first instinct is to strike back. Ezra didn't run off to a committee. He didn't go ask everybody's opinion of how do you feel about this? How does everybody feel? Let's all take, how do you feel? 
Well, do you feel the same as me? You know, what, when people do that, they go out and they try to build up an alliance of people that think just like them to get people on their side. I want you to feel like me. I'm upset at this situation, so I want to get people around me that think the way I do. So that when I have enough people around me, then we can blame and accuse and go after them. That's what we do in our culture. And I'm asking you to put that culture aside. We are not to do like that. He didn't get a bunch of people to say, let's all think like me. He did none of that. What did he do? He knew he could do nothing more than throw himself down before the mercy of God. That's it. You know how messed up our world is right now. You know how bad things are getting. And you know you want to take up certain tools and things that you've got in your little arsenal and go run with the people that agree with you, and let's go get those guys, and we got to take them down. What we should be doing, we should get down on our knees before the mercy of God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Because I guarantee you, if you get out there and fight that battle, you're going to be the first one down. All he could do was throw himself before the mercy of God. And he did not do this to try to accuse them before God. He got down to confess of all their sins. He confessed the sins of the entire nation. You know who the accuser is? The accuser in the Bible is known as Satan, the devil himself. Satan speaks accusation. When you listen to the TV and everybody's accusing somebody, accusing somebody, oh, he's terrible, he needs to go. That is the language of accusation. Do not learn that language. That is Satan's language. And if you learn how to speak it, you will become a victim of it yourself. I want to be encouraged. If you want to be encouraged, then we need to speak the Father's language of encouragement. But to do it, we don't even know how to do it. We have to throw ourselves before the mercy of God and confess, Lord God, I'm a sinner before everyone else. Oh, I could go all day just right here on this part, <laughs> but I have to move on. I think it's important we notice that he didn't point at them. He confessed all of their sins as a whole nation. Ezra 9, verse 7. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty, and for our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been delivered into the hand of the king, the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to plunder, and to humiliation, as it is this day. What he's saying is all the trouble that we as a whole nation have come under fire for is because we messed up. You look at our nation today, why is our nation going down? Because we're messing up, because we're not following the Word of God. How many people out there really care about the Word of God? Not many. Y'all are the few that actually care to come in on a Sunday. If the whole nation out there cared, I guarantee you they'd be filling this church. They'd be lined out in the parking lot trying to hear. But they're not. That's what's wrong with our nation. They don't care about the Word of God. We don't need it. It's just religious stuff. It's just something to do on Sunday. Who cares? God wants you to live life His way. Ezra gets it. So for centuries, we've seen the Israelites. They had been sinning their tails off, and no one ever got it. No one ever finally got it until Ezra said what he said right here. We have been dragged off in captivity and been plundered, and we've been put under all this mess because we, Lord God, have sinned. Finally, somebody gets it. 
like when I finally found that antenna done right, I said, yes, somebody gets it. Ezra finally gets it. Somebody gets it. And Ezra not only got it, but he knew that as the spiritual leader of this people, it was going to be his duty to confess their sins collectively. Their entire history of sins, even though he himself was not alive for all the sins that had been committed before he was around, he knew that he needed to confess for all the offenses that Israel had ever committed. Somebody in the land of Israel somewhere needed to confess to the Father God, we have been sinning for a very long time. Israel's leader had to confess the sins of their whole history so that when Ezra began to teach them, then along with his teaching would be taught the turnaround. Now he could teach them how to repent and turn around to never do those sins again. You know, I've heard pastors before that didn't really think they had been sinners before, and they taught the Word of God like it was just nothing, had no substance behind it. You know, be good, follow God, do okay, you'll be be all right. And there wasn't any real power behind it. It was just blah. I know how bad I've messed up. I know the Lord God saved me, and I'm going to preach like somebody in this room doesn't get it, and today you finally need to get it. (laughs) I'm going to give you all I got. I don't want anybody leaving here not understanding the gospel. We have to understand that we sinned, and it made God angry, and he was going to destroy us. But he sent Jesus to give us the way out so that his death penalty would take the sin off of us, and for that we should be incredibly thankful. And do what God says. Not, well, you know, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the salvation. Now I'm going to go off and do what I want to. No, that's, that's somebody that doesn't get it. So Ezra now has something behind him. Now his teaching of the law isn't just going to be the law. No, God said do this. God said don't do that. No, no his teaching now is going to have punch to it. See what's going on here? Ezra has been put into a situation by God to not just teach it the law, not just teach God's word, but to teach it with drive, to teach it basically saying, obey this law, obey God's word, do what this book says, or else you're going to get in trouble. You're going to find yourself in some kind of captivity. Something is going to bind you down and own you that you can't fight. But you better be learning this word. This is your way out. This is your way through life. I was appalled like Ezra when I was teaching at a former church before I was teaching the college-age kids. And I said one time, I said, y'all remember that part in the book of John when Jesus blah, 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 and the kids go, no, we don't remember that. I said, well, have you ever read the book of John? They go, no. I said, well, have you read Matthew? No. Have you ever read any of the four gospel books? No. Have you read any book in the Bible at all? No. I asked them, have you ever read one chapter of any book in the Bible? You know what they said? They said, no. They've been going to this church their whole lives. They were in their 20s. They had committed themselves to a king that they said were going to save their life, and they bet their eternal destiny on somebody. They don't even know who he is. They have not read his word, not one thing. And I felt like Ezra, I wanted to pull my hair out. I said, open up to John 1. I took my lesson for the day and I threw it to the side. I said, go to John 1. Well, I went to John 1. 
And I started in verse 1, and that was the first time I ever taught line by line. I said, we're going to read John 1. I think we got through the whole first chapter in not even 10 minutes. I said, you are in your 20s, and you have not had 10 minutes in your whole life to read one chapter of one book of the Bible. And you claim to be a Christian. Come on. If that's Christianity today, God help us. God help us. Do you see where I'm at as a minister? Do you see where Ezra's at as a minister? Ezra has punch. He says this word is for your benefit. Don't go against it or else you'll be put in captivity. You'll be put back in plunder. You're going to be put back in humiliation all over again. After 70 years they'd been through this, he says, guys, I don't want this anymore. I'll tell you all right now, the old life I used to live before I got saved, I don't ever want to go back to that life ever again. If you want to run that way, that's your business. I will not go with you. But I will teach this word, and if you want to sit here and learn it, God bless you, and thank you for being here. But I am not going back. Ezra said, I'm not going back. It has to stop here, and here's how we stop this. You study God's word. (laughs) If you didn't hear anything I say today, at least hear this. Study God's word. Study it. Put time into it. I've seen unsaved people with no testimony. They had absolutely no realization that there's a problem with their sin. They didn't think anything of it. I've seen people like this, unsaved and unaware of sin's trouble. I've seen these kind of people go with me through Bible college. Oh, yeah, they're in there. If any of you ever want to go to Bible college, please talk to me before you go, because Bible college will either make you awesome or it'll mess you up. (laughs) they were in Bible college with me. They were claiming they were going to be a pastor. They were going to start a church and they were not doing what God's word said while they were going through life at all. The word of God had no substance to it. It had never been taught into them the power that was behind the word of God. And all the people that I saw do this, they came in not obeying God's word, not really studying it. They were just there in the college to play the academics. All the guys that went to do this, to start this church, you know what they did? Every one of them got under some kind of pressure that they didn't know what to do about it, and they all quit. They had a church for, like, cotton candy. It tastes good for a second, and it dissolves, and it's gone. And they quit. And today, they're angry at God. They're angry at churches. And these same people, they did everything they could to try to stop me from becoming a pastor because they had no drive. They thought I should have no drive. I went to Bible college with people that tried to stop me from doing what I'm doing right now. They had no drive. They said, well, if I couldn't do it, then you won't do it either. I'm like, hey, you didn't call me. God did. And so for the record, um, I have never claimed to be the one that I did it. Like here I am. I'm the pastor. I did it. I've never claimed that. I, I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest. I'm like Ezra, Lord God, I don't know what to do. If you're being blessed in here today, I'm not doing it. You know what's doing it? You hearing the word of God is what's doing it. That's it. I'm just the mouthpiece. I've never claimed to be the one that did it. Now, there's been a lot of times I found myself in the same place that Ezra is in. Just a man that didn't know what to do. 
except throw himself down to the mercy of God saying, oh God, help me. I was like that this morning. There's a lot of things going down in here today. I could either lose my mind and go crazy and go, oh gosh, I can't do this anymore. I could say, God, I'm just going to have to throw it in your lap. I can't do this. So God, take over. I'll go do my part. And here I am preaching. The things that are going on are still going on. I've turned it over to the Lord. You know, there are days when that's all you're going to know what to do is say, Lord God, you're going to have to take over because I cannot figure this out. Ezra 9 verse 8. And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Did I not say somebody finally gets it? He just went over their past hundred some odd years of history of all the trouble they've been going through. And he says, Lord God, we're the ones that did this. But Lord, you're the ones that restored us back. All the kings of Persia, they finally one day said, Israel, go home and rebuild your temple. And he's acknowledging it's not the kings that did this. Lord God, you caused the kings to do this. Friends, what I'm going to tell you is all the opposition we have out there, all the trouble we have out there today, the Lord God can influence their minds to benefit you. You've just got to trust that God can do it. You cannot go out there and fight them. We do not war against them. You put it before the Lord God and let God deal with it. I'm telling you, the minute you try to make something happen on your own, you're just going to mess it up more than it already is. (laughs) I've made a mess of my life. I'll guarantee it's because I tried to fix it. And Ezra now has his, what I call gospel goggles. You know what gospel goggles are? It's when you can see things through Jesus, when you see things through the Lord. He has his gospel goggles. He's looking through spiritual lenses. What all the suffering had done to the people of Israel for all these years. Now, I've had people ask me, if God is so good, if he's so good, then why is there suffering? Why is there suffering if God is so good? Ezra just answered that age-old question. He said, because we're sinners, and sin causes trouble. We're the ones that caused the mess. Don't look at God and go, oh, God, why don't you just fix this? God's like, well, why don't you repent and straighten up? (laughs) Right? We're sinners, and sin causes trouble, and sin ends up causing damage. I always say you can pick your own sins. I want to do that tonight. Yeah, that looks like fun. You can choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along behind it. That is something you don't get to pick. And so this all forces us to see how good God is toward us, because while we're making all the damage, he waits for us to call upon him to deliver us from our trouble. Ezra gets it. We are the ones that caused this mess. We are the ones that put ourselves in this damage. And Lord God, you are so good. You patiently waited, and now you brought us out. Most people, they will curse God to his face for all the bad things that's ever happened to them. But Ezra understood it was the Lord that moved the kings to get them back home to freedom. Ezra is that somebody that finally gets it. 
<laughs> he finally gets it because he knows the Israelites, they could have been killed off. When the Persians took them captive, they could have said, you know what? You're our enemy. We're going to wipe you out. We're going to kill you. The fact that they were not wiped out means that God was showing them grace because he said, you left us a remnant. Friends, did you know that because of our sin, God justfully could have wiped us all out? Are you not still here? That means God's waiting for your repentance. He's waiting for your service, your dedication. But what blows Ezra's mind here, that with all of the blessing, he now realizes that he's not so hung up on, God, why were we captives? How dare you? Why did you drag us away? He realized we messed up. That's what the captivity came from, because we are a mess. But you brought us back. He's realizing, man, God, you're blessing us. How many of you, when things are going bad, you don't see the blessing? The first thing you want to do is curse God. You don't see what he, the good he's doing for you at that time. Ezra 9.10, And now, O oh, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, The land which you are entering to possess is an unclean land with the uncleanness of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their impurity. Now therefore do not give your daughters as wives for their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. Friends, something that's very important that you may want to underline there is never seek their peace. Never seek their prosperity. The world has a lot of supposed answers to peace and prosperity for you. Do this and you'll be okay. Never seek their peace. Never seek their prosperity. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our prosperity. Don't look at it for the world, okay? Ezra confessed their past sins, but here... He confessed their present sins. He's covering it all, past and present. And when he said, what can we say after this? What can we say? He's saying, Lord God, we have been so wrong. We have sinned so bad. We have no excuse. We don't even have anything we can say for what we've done. We can't even try to come up with a way to talk around it. What can we say after this? There's no way to justify what we've done. We don't have any way to talk our way out of it. We're just done. What can we say? We're, we're guilty. Ezra is realizing and expressing how bad they've been to recognize how gracious God is to them. You know, you don't realize how gracious God is until you recognize the depth of your sin. God waited on them as they did all these terrible sins. Ezra 9.13, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survivor? Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.